in the Old Testament when God commanded Moses to build the tent and then later the, the temple. It was very clear to the priests and it was very clear in the writings of the Torah that, that the temple ought to be completely perfect and if it was ever profaned, then they had to go in, clean it out, and there was different rituals to, to purify the place once again. Wherever God dwelt, it had to be a perfect place. That was symbolized through cleanness, of course, but it was also symbolized through, through the gold that was in the temple, through the beautiful paintings of the cherubim, the angels on the, on the tent of meeting, the, the beautiful wood that was used for the ark, you know, etc., so keeping that in mind as we celebrate this feast day of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary, in the, in the, in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, St. Paul mentions this. It's verse 27. He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Referring to Holy Communion. It's, it's where St. Paul mentions about handing on the Mass, handing on the, the, uh, the Last Supper, and of course, in relationship to the sacrifice of the cross. He mentions that some of them were getting sick because they were receiving communion in an unworthy manner. And he mentions that they're to, to discern, you know, what's going on in their lives, and if, and if there's something not right in their life, referring to sin, that they are not to approach the, the, approach the altar receive the body and blood of Christ. Some of them had been there were getting sick. I've only, in my whole lifetime, I've met one person who's told me her story. She said that before she knew what, what things were going on in her life or knew publicly, she had been receiving Holy Communion. And, and every time she received Holy Communion, she got really sick. And at some point, she decided to go to confession, and she told the priest, and she explained, you know, what was going on in her life. And, and the priest said, well well, you need to straighten this thing out before you approach Holy Communion. And then, and then she did. And then she started receiving Holy Communion again after that, and, and nothing happened. She told me this story. I think it was a, I met her at a wedding someplace, and she told me that her conversion story. But St. Paul is very clear about that, that when we receive Jesus into our bodies, into our souls, there must be cleanness there. Otherwise, we're profaning Jesus. So keep that in mind as we celebrate this feast day. It's where those two things, the importance of the cleanness of the temple and the, the purity of the temple, as well as as we receive Jesus in Holy Communion, as St. Paul mentions, and of course the great tradition, all the other apostles talked about it too, and they passed it on to today's bishops, that with those two things in mind, when God created Mary, when she was conceived, through, through Saints Joachim and Anne, God, by a special grace, made her perfect. She didn't realize it at the time. Of course, she's only just a little zygote in the womb. But even as she grew up, you know, when the angel Gabriel came to her, as we heard in today's gospel reading, she was perplexed that God should choose her to, to carry his son completely pure from the moment of her conception. Unlike us, when we were conceived, we were conceived in original sin, inherited from Adam and Eve. We ourselves hadn't sinned, but we inherited this sin, this, this reality apart from God's grace. And then in, in baptism, we were brought into God's grace. 
which we, of course, can then dirty by, by our sin. One other thing about this feast day of the Immaculate Conception. Mary, in all her purity, Mary in her, her great love for God, really is the enemy of the devil. She's more the, well, I shouldn't say more, but, but whenever exorcists talk about doing exorcisms, and as, as people who have, who have been possessed talk about whenever, the, you know, it's the devil would say things in their mind, whenever they would talk about Mary, they would never say her name. They would always say the woman, the woman. And they were always very, very afraid of her because whenever she entered into the picture, they just had, they had, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't lie about her. They couldn't do anything. And, and I've always wondered that. Why would the devil be more afraid of Mary than he would be of Jesus himself? And it didn't come to my mind till, till rather later, later in my life when I began to have much more love for mom. It was like, you can talk bad about me, but don't you dare talk bad about my mom, you know, when someone who has a great love. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. He says, okay, you can lie all about me. You can crucify me and so forth, but don't you ever do anything bad to my mom. And he doesn't allow the devil to do anything. But with that, keeping that in mind, that when Mary comes into our life, that's exactly what the devil, he, he flees. He flees. We saw that in our first reading, you know, with the fall of Adam and Eve. And what, is, what does God say? He says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. I will put enmity between you and the woman. You are going to be enemies. And then, of course, we see that fulfilled in Mary, that, that Mary's the enemy of the devil. He, he just can't be around her at all, which is why the, the church throughout time began to realize that. Uh, of course, the ch early church realized that because it's Jesus' own love for his mom. They were called to love his mom, too. But realizing that how, how wonderful Mary is for us, that she's a great mother. Almost every Catholic church that you will go into you're going to see an image of Our Lady. Here we have, of course, the statue of Our Lady stepping right on the serpent. You know, that comes from her immaculate conception, that she, she conquers that serpent who tricked Eve, who tricked Adam, who lied to them, and they trusted the serpent over, over God. But Mary trusted God over the serpent, and therefore conquers the serpent. And then, of course, we have the image of, of her immaculate heart back there with a sword going through it, because as a mother, she was able to experience all that happened to her son. As Jesus was pierced in the side, he was already dead, but Mary experienced it. And then, of course, we have the, the wonderful stained glass window with the dove above her, you know, which really shows that she's overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. God's life is in her, and she says yes to it again and again. So, so two, two things that I want you to pull away from this. First of all, at this Mass, let's pray for the grace that we may love Mary as Jesus does. We may love her much. And second of all, how to live that out within our life, to, to pray the rosary every day. The rosary, is, the rosary is very important, first of all, because we're able to meditate upon these mysteries. But in meditating upon the mysteries of Jesus and upon all those in Jesus' family, we come to love Jesus more. And it's, it's quite simple. You know, you can be driving the tractor, you can be driving down the road, and and um, even, you know, cooking in the kitchen, and you can turn, you know, a podcast on or an audio on with the rosary and pray along with it. It's, it's quite simple.
um, but so often we 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 don't say we don't do that. We just are so anxious about other things and getting other things done that we forget about the great mysteries of God. So let's pray for the grace to love Mary like Jesus does, and of course living that out by praying the Rosary every day.